Liberty, 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 liberty. <laughs> Heard of that? Do you know that Liberty Mutual Insurance has an accident forgiveness program? They do. And a man standing with his wife in front of the Statue of Liberty tells us all about it. Here's how it works. He says, imagine you're headed down the highway and the guy in front of you slams on his brakes and you can't stop in time. No big deal. Because you have Liberty Insurance Accident Forgiveness. If you have a good record, they won't hike your rates over one mistake. Then he looks at his wife for the first time. And he says, you hear that, Karen? Liberty Mutual doesn't hold a grudge over one mistake. How mature of them. Emotionally, this guy has a lot going on. You know, he's been in an accident. He's worried about his record. His marriage is a mess, but he didn't want to own it. Instead, he deflects. It's not his fault. The guy in front of him, he breaks too quickly. And Karen, she's just a grudge holder who won't see him for the great guy that he is. Not only does he deflect, he's also deluded. Now, from the apparent age of this couple, you assume they've been married 25, 30 years. What do you think the odds are? In all those years together that this guy has only made one mistake. He's not telling himself the truth. Okay, I admit that I'm reading a little bit too much into a commercial. And I realize they're not really a married couple. They are just actors. But nevertheless, this ad is tapping into some biblical concepts. And the feelings associated with those concepts... Record, mistake, grudge, forgiveness. We worry. We worry about our record with God. We worry about our mistakes. We worry about God holding them against us. And in order to deal with all that worry, we deflect and we blame shift and we delude ourselves into thinking that we're really not that bad, at least compared to everyone else. And all of that together makes us an emotional mess. Here's the good news. Jesus has better for your soul and my soul than that. Here's the good news. Your record can be clear with God. You can be assured of that. And your soul can have the peace that comes with knowing that your record can be clear before God. And that peace will bless you. And not only will you be blessed by that peace, but everyone else who knows you and encounters you, the blessing of that peace is going to spill out all over them as well. But in order to have that peace, you must act. You must take care of your soul. I must take care of my soul. We cannot neglect them. That's what we'll see this morning as we return in Matthew chapter 6 to the Lord's Prayer. So if you have your Bible, I ask you to take it out and turn to Matthew, the 6th chapter. If you're using a pew Bible in front of you, you'll find that on page 812. I mean, 811. 811. So once you've found Matthew 6, I'm going to ask you to stand so that we might hear, read together, the word of the living God. Matthew 
Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, this is the word of the Lord. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you again for your word. Thank you especially for this prayer, for all you teach us through it, Lord, for how you guide and direct our lives through this simple prayer. We pray now that as we return to it this morning that you would bless our time in your word in this prayer. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So this morning we come to the the fifth petition, the fifth request in the Lord's Prayer, which is forgive us our debts. Now it's praying this prayer, it's how we're going to take care of our souls. But if we want the best soul care possible for ourselves, we can't take this one request in isolation. We have to remember that four other requests precede this one. So you and I won't even have the motivation to care for our souls by praying this prayer if we don't first remember what those other four requests were. Now it's been a while since we began the Lord's Prayer. We started back in the beginning of March and we we took a, a few weeks off for other things, so we need to get reacquainted with it. Prayer, as Jesus intends it to be, as he teaches it to be, must be fixedly focused, first and foremost, on God. Prayer must be first and foremost fixed on God. That doesn't make God an egomaniac. Look at me, look at me. And teaching us to pray like this. It just means that Jesus knows the glory of the Lord for all eternity. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit dwelled in light-filled, glory-filled, love-filled, grace-filled unity. And Jesus knows from experience that absolutely nothing else like it exists. And nothing better than this can ever be experienced. And so in prayer, he invites us, you and me, into that experience with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. For now, it's imperfect, it's incomplete, but someday, someday we are going to experience it fully and completely. You you looking forward to that day? So what a disservice it would be to all of us if Jesus were to put our attention anywhere else first. And so the first of the three steps that we're going to consider this morning in caring for our souls, the step that even leads us to to want to ask forgiveness, comes from telling ourselves the truth about God. And that's what the first three petitions do. They remind us that God 
is our Father, our Father who is in heaven. And so before we utter another word in prayer, we get to pause over this privilege that you and I have of being in this kind of relationship with God. He is our Father. We are His greatly loved children. He is a Father who loves to do good things and give good things to His children. He's also holy, hallowed be your name. And so we can never lose sight of the holiness and the transcendence of our Father. He is set apart, totally other than we are. And so, though we have the privilege of calling Him Father, and though the Lord delights to have us call Him Father, still a hush should come over our souls when we say Father, because He is holy. That's the truth of who God is. Closely connected to that, we pray secondly, that our focus might be fixed on the kingdom of God. And so we pray, your kingdom come. The sights, the sounds of the heavenly kingdom are awe-inspiring. Those like the prophet Isaiah and the apostle John, who see and hear and experience the sights and sounds of heaven. They are overawed by what they see and hear, and they want to fall down and worship because they see that the kingdom of God is a place of great joy and glory. They see that the kingdom of God has universal appeal that satisfies universal longings of every tribe and every tongue and every nation. And they see that the kingdom of God is a place of proportions that we cannot begin to comprehend. That's the truth about what the kingdom of God is like. Then thirdly, we ask that the will of God be done. Listen, God's will is good, it's perfect, and it's well-pleasing. Scripture tells us so. That's the truth. About God's will, whatever else you might think it to be, it is good, it is perfect, and it is well-pleasing. And so the first three petitions, they tell us the truth about God. They focus our lives and orient our prayers, especially when we pray this prayer daily, first and foremost on God. And so you and I do ourselves no good when we skip over this God focus for whatever reason we might be tempted to skip over it, I guess because we want to get on with it. Listen, this is getting on with it, focusing on God, because our only help and our only hope comes from lifting our eyes up, getting ourselves out of and beyond this broken world, getting our eyes fixed on one who is so other than we are, one whose ways are higher, And better than the ways of this world. One whose thoughts are higher. And better than the thoughts of this world. So lift your eyes up. Focus. First and foremost on the Lord in your praying and in your living. In this way you care for your soul. And I care for my soul. Because only after we have focused on God can we rightly pray for ourselves. And that's where Jesus moves us. In the fourth petition, give us this day 
our daily bread. Our bodies, they need care. We need daily bread, and so we pray for it. And then that brings us to the fifth request before us this morning. We pray, forgive us our debts, because our souls need care as much as our bodies need care. And so the fourth and the fifth petitions form one sentence, as if we're not supposed to separate them. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. In one sentence, Jesus combined the body and the soul. They form one whole. They must not be separated. They both need care. Now, having said that, it's also true that the Lord's Prayer contains one request for the body, give us our daily bread, and two requests for the soul, forgive us our debts and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. And so perhaps Jesus is indicating to you and to me that we should put great emphasis on caring for our souls. Famous 17th century Puritan preacher and author Thomas Watson wrote, Daily bread may make us live comfortably, but forgiveness of sins will make us die comfortably. And he also points out that in the Old Testament, the weight of measure used in God's sanctuary was twice the weight of the common weight of measure outside the sanctuary, which typified to him that spiritual things, things of God, things of the soul, must be far greater in weight with us than the earthly. He writes that people take more care about dressing their bodies than their souls. They put on the best clothes, are dressed in the richest garb, but care not how naked or undressed their souls are. They have the best diet, but let their souls starve. The body must sit in the chair of state, but the soul, that princely thing, is made a lackey to run the devil's errands. What's the balance like in your life? How does the amount of time you spend concerned on physical things compare with the amount of time you spend on spiritual concerns? What's the balance? Jesus wants your soul well cared for. And so he teaches you and he teaches me to pray, Our Father, forgive us our debts. Because here's the question. What kind of life are we caring for our bodies? What will the quality of our lives be? See, Jesus puts an adjective to the kind of life we should be living. And he says that it should be abundant. John 10.10, 10, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. That's what Jesus wants for us. See, a daily bread kind of life could be four walls, a roof, and a dirt floor. But when our souls are cared for, Jesus adds the beauty. Jesus adds the abundance, the gleaming hardwood floors covered with the thick Persian rugs, drapes on the windows, 
colors on the wall on which are hung these priceless paintings. That's what Jesus wants for our souls. And so the way to get it is to take the second step in our soul care. Not only do we tell ourselves the truth about God, we have to tell ourselves the truth about ourselves. Kathy and I were sitting on our back porch Friday morning reading our Bible study. It happened to be from Psalm 141. And I hadn't pre-read this. I wish I had, but I hadn't. Because Psalm 141, verse 5, says this. Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It's oil on my head. Let my head not refuse it. Now, you don't want to tell your wife those things because she might do it. I'm going to read it again. Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil on my head. Let my head not refuse it. See, that's not the view we normally take in our lives, is it? We don't very often invite other people to tell us the truth about ourselves. Quite the opposite. We prefer that they just love us and accept us and not confront us or challenge us. We don't want others to tell us the truth. And we too often don't tell ourselves the truth about ourselves. And yet, God tells us that that's a good thing. That it's a kindness. That it's oil for our heads. A soothing medicine. Well, Jesus, the righteous man, tells us the truth in Petition 5. And he tells us that we are in debt. And it isn't just one debt. Notice that Jesus makes it plural. We have many debts. And Jesus chooses the word debt here because it literally refers to that which is owed in a financial sense. Why does Jesus do that? Because it gets our attention, right? All of us in this room are concerned in some degree about money. And most of us, probably all of us in this room, don't like debt. We consider it to be a necessary evil if we're going to survive in this world, but we would rather be out of debt. Uh, debt worries us. It used to do more than worry people. You used to get thrown in prison if you couldn't pay your debts. James Wilson signed the Declaration of Independence. And he once went to debtor's prison while he was serving as an associate justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. Please imagine. Robert Morris also signed the Declaration of Independence. And he also went to debtor's prison in Philadelphia. Henry Lee III, better known as Henry Lighthorse Lee, a Revolutionary War general and father of Robert E. Lee, was in prison for debt in 1908 and 1909. Can you imagine? Debt isn't good. And so the truth that Jesus tells us is that all of us, without exception, Jesus doesn't exclude anyone from praying this prayer. All of us are in debt and deserve to be in prison for our debts. And our debts, as you know, are our sins. Luke in his gospel 
records the same prayer, and he doesn't use imagery when he records Jesus' words. He, he just tells us straight up what it is. Give us our daily bread and forgive us our sins. Our sins. Our departures from the divine standards of uprightness. That's what a sin is. Whether it occurs by omission or commission, in thought or feeling, in speech or action. Departing from God's holy standards. And so here's the truth that Jesus tells us. We are sinners. You are a sinner. I am a sinner. And I say that in spite of the fact that I watched a famous smiley preacher. It galls me. I've been compared to him, hopefully just for the smile. Once told about 30,000 people, I witnessed it myself, don't let anyone ever tell you you are a sinner. You might do bad things from time to time, but you are no sinner. I promise he said it. But I tell you, I think we better listen to Jesus on this one. <laughs> Do you agree? He says that we are sinners. And there's no help for you. There's no health for your soul or for abundance for your life until you realize that. See, here's the thing. I think we all know that we are sinners. I just don't think, given the amount that we sin in our lives that we realize how ugly sin is. And that's why we create categories for sin, don't we? Oh, that was just a little white lie. The truth is, all sin is dark. It's absence of light. Sin has no light of any kind ever. There is no good in it. Isaiah says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. In its every manifestation, sin is ugly. We might not have the eyes to see that, but God certainly does. Sin is an affront to Him and to His holiness and to the hallowedness of His name, to His good and perfect and pleasing will, and it thwarts the advance of His kingdom. And that's why we focus first on God because sin only has meaning in the context of and in relation to a holy God. That's why David says in Psalm 51, this, this song he wrote in response to his sin against Bathsheba and having her husband put to death. He writes, against you and you only have I sinned. And done what is evil in your sight. Our sins are against God. Now this is how in debt we are. This is Micah. Chapter 6 verse 8. And you know it well. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. If we only had this one verse, and no other verse, not even the Ten Commandments, all of us in this room are doomed to debt. 
Because God requires justice. That's what we owe God. That's what we must pay Him. But think of the times in your life that you have been unjust. Think of the time in your life that you have not done what is right. What God tells you to do to a friend, a neighbor, your child, a spouse, you and I, we are in debt. Think of the times you've passively watched the wrong thing, injustice being done, and you've done nothing about it. Perhaps you hoped that it would just go away, or maybe you've promised to get involved with that injustice at a later time. You and I are in debt to God. God requires that we love kindness. That's what we owe God. That's what we must pay Him. Think of the times you've not been kind in your life. Let alone the times you have not loved kindness. Instead, you've been demanding, hard-nosed, heartless. You and I, we're in debt. God requires that we walk humbly with Him. That's what we owe God. That's what we must pay Him. But think of the times you have not walked with God at all. Instead, you've walked away from Him. You've not been faithful to stay close to the Lord. You've left Him, ignored Him. Think of the times you've been prideful, puffed up before others, before God. You've not been humble. You and I, we are in debt. And the debt, as long as we live, keeps piling up. We have not done what the Lord requires. We have not given to the Lord what we owe Him. And so that's why we must pray. You and I pray precisely because we cannot pay. We have nothing. It doesn't matter how much time the Lord might give us. We can never pay. We don't even have a currency that's acceptable to offer to Him. And that's the truth. This also is true. We cannot declare bankruptcy and walk away and start over again when our debt or when our credit is repaired. We cannot flee from this debt and we cannot get away from the creditor. Psalm 139. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. We are indebted sinners who cannot escape the God to whom we are in debt. Now that is the truth. And it is a soul-crushing truth to owe the God of the universe and to be unable to pay Him. And so what do we do? We pray. The prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts. That's how you and I care for our souls. We must not try to make ourselves feel good about ourselves. We must not try to put together a record that we think is mostly good to shift the blame. We've got to admit our guilt and pray for forgiveness and we must do it daily. 
If that were not necessary, Jesus wouldn't have taught us to do it. And so step two of our soul care, we must tell ourselves the truth about ourselves. And then we take the third step. We tell ourselves the truth about forgiveness. Now here's the truth. This this is good news. You want to hear it? When we placed our faith in Christ, our sins were forgiven. Past, present, and future. Now, is that good news? It's true. Through faith in Christ, God has justified us. God's gavel has fallen. He has declared us not guilty. Our debts have been forgiven. They have been wiped away. Is that good news? He's taken, God has taken, the perfect righteousness that Jesus won by living an absolutely perfect life here on earth. He has taken that righteousness and He has given it to us. He has applied it to our account, put it toward our debt. It's a one-time act we call justification. Are you glad to be justified before God? But, As we walk through this world, however long that might be, you and I are going to sin. And sin is going to dirty us. Sin is going to shame us. Sin is going to guilt us. Sin is going to weigh us down. And so what are we going to do with it? A woman was many years married to a man who never told her, I love you. Finally, exasperated, she confronted her husband one day and she said, why don't you ever say, I love you? And the husband responded, I told you, I loved you on the day we got married. If I change my mind, I'll let you know. The Lord doesn't want us to live like that. Yes, it's true that He justified us once in time and space. For me, that's like 1970, 49 years ago. That's not an, I, I, I need more than that. You need more than that. We need to, to daily know that the Lord forgives us. We need to daily hear Him say, I forgive you. David, again in Psalm 51, after he's Ask the Lord for forgiveness. He's confessed his sins. He's asked for forgiveness. And then he pleads, let me hear joy and gladness. David wants that experience. He wants to feel the gladness and the joy of forgiveness over and over again. And that joy and that gladness comes to you and me every day in knowing that our sins are forgiven. And that's the truth about forgiveness. God does forgive. You believe that? You better say yes, because I'm getting ready to prove it. Micah 7, 18. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Is that good news? 
Jeremiah 31, 34. For I will forgive, God declares, their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. Your record is clear in Jesus. Is that good news? Psalm 103, 11, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Is that good news? John 1, 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is that good news? Why? Oh, why? Would you not want to be reminded of that every day? Why not tell ourselves the truth? We sin every day, intentionally and unintentionally. Just admit it. Confess it and let these words of truth wash over you. This is the truth that makes our lives abundant. This is what makes taking care of our physical bodies worth it because then we have the ability to walk through this world as forgiven people. Every day we are at peace with God, free. Liberty, 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 liberty. And what a feeling that freedom is. And you and I, we minister to others out of that peace and out of that freedom. So please, for Jesus' sake and for the sake of your ability to make a difference in your world, for Jesus' sake, take care of your soul. Tell yourself the truth about God. He's holy with a glorious kingdom. And a perfect will. Tell yourself the truth about yourself. You've sinned against this holy God. You're in debt to Him. Tell yourself the truth about forgiveness. In Christ you are forgiven. Your debt has been canceled. You go free. So ask the Lord to forgive your sins daily. And live out and minister out of that joy. That comes from knowing your record is clear. And having peace with God. Let's pray. Father, what good news this morning comes to us out of a prayer that you teach us to pray. Lord, thank you for telling us the truth. The truth about God, the truth about ourselves, and the truth about forgiveness. Lord, help us not to be deceived. Help us not to deflect. Help us, Lord, not to be deluded. Help us just to listen to your word and listen to to your truth, and then act on the truth that we hear. Let us not be influenced by our culture, Lord, who would have us believe that, that we are good people, that we're basically good at heart. If you find, if you dig deep enough, you, you will strike gold. Not true, Lord. Help us not to be sucked in to the, the, the humanistic view that we are the end all and the be all and that our help and our hope comes from ourselves it does not lord because we are sinful people indebted to the one and only true and living creator of the universe our father god help us to deal honestly lord with our sin to confess it before you to be forgiven, but then, Lord, help us to live out of the truth and the freedom. Help us stop thinking about our record. Lord, when we ask forgiveness, our record is clear. So let a, 
a joy and a, a lightness fill our steps. Help us get the burden off our backs and give it to you, Lord, so we can go through this world as joy-filled, peace-filled, forgiven people. That way we can share that joy and peace in Christ with others. What a beautiful thing that would be, Lord, for them. Not only for now, but for all eternity. And how your kingdom might grow if all of us here in this room will take care of our souls. So pray that you will help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.